Well, hello and welcome back to Flynn's Talk, the podcast where we are exploring all kinds of things to do with the veterinary field, veterinary well-being and the mental health space. I'm Jack and uh, Jez, my co-host, is with me. Jez, good to see you, mate, as always. As always, lovely to be here. Episode 32, this Mm. is. um, The last time we spoke, we spoke to Yvonne um, from Pets of the Homeless, which which was a great chat. She's doing some awesome work and we've pivoted Jez from having been remote to doing something person and here we are again back on Zoom just for yeah, a matter exactly. of um, scheduling. <laughs> so uh, pivoted and re-pivoted, which is probably against the rules if we were playing netball. Um, well, it doesn't help that you're in San Fran at the moment. <laughs> I am. I'm getting in the theme with the, with the background. It's a lovely city. Um, but Jez, just before we do dive in, um, a shout out to Covetris who have continued to support us uh, this year through the podcast and they're looking after a lot of back-end tech and solutions in veterinary hospitals to help make sure uh, vets and, and vet staff can put more of their energy to providing great care and building those client relationships. And they were up there and played a massive, massive part in our Brisbane walk. Um, mm, yep. Maggie, Jackie, Andrew, it's always risky when you start doing yep. the names, but um, Josh, of course, <laughs> um, Elena, the whole gang um, just just really got around it and... Um, that was that was pretty cool to introduce the walk to Brizzy for the first time. You were there too. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing to be there. That was my first uh, interstate walk that I attended, and yeah, it was great to it was great to see everyone have chats and and be there to be part of it. Yeah, coffees the coffees were flowing, lots of chats. Um, I felt like um, I saw some old friends of people I used to work with and things like that pop down, and that's really nice. But also met so many other people. Um, that have been supporting us for ages and yet we hadn't had the chance to connect yep. in person. But yeah. they felt like new friends anyway. So that was really cool. Um, Maggie and George flipping the snags and doing all of that. So um, another successful one um, interstate and coming up in a couple of weeks after you've first listened to this podcast is is our first one in Sydney, um, which qu- completes the quartet. It is quartets four, yeah, quartet um, for the year. Quartets four, yep, yep. And so, so there was a bit of a there's a bit of a rivalry apparently going on between Brisbane and Sydney. Brisbane want to be the biggest interstate war. Yeah. So any of the Sydney siders out there, if you if you think you might uh, if you think you might be able to uh, challenge that and and make Sydney the biggest one, would would like to see that happen as well. Well, absolutely. And the thing is, is that being Melburnians, we've always thought of the Melbourne-Sydney rivalry. But of course, Sydney-Brisbane is New South Wales-Queensland, state of origin, New South Wales versus Queensland. So another cracking one today um, for you to wrap your ears around. Yeah, yeah. Well, this one, this one, unfortunately, doesn't uh, doesn't feature your co-host me truly yeah <laughs> it's your well it's no but it, no it's yours truly yours truly myself yeah but yours truly is the saying isn't it <laughs> isn't that doesn't that mean yeah yeah that yeah you just need yours truly yeah i don't think there's anything else to add then yeah no 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 i'm happy with that point of it is i i, I snuck over to um san fran only on the zoom universe i didn't leave you behind uh and caught up with the executive director darlene boss of not one more vet or NOMV, NOMVI. Um, yep. Jez, we had the pleasure a few years back of meeting Nicole MacArthur, who actually started not one, not one more vet 
which began as a closed Facebook group, basically for people to share um, <laughs> all sorts of stuff, their challenges, struggles. Yeah. The key moment was the loss of Dr. Sophia Yin, who was a really um, prominent, well-known, and, and of course, much-loved vet. Um, and the group was formed as kind of a, a therapy circle in many ways to support each other. Yep. And has now become a, a fully-fledged um, charity over in the States. So, you know, there's there's a heap of stuff they've created actually now that's accessible worldwide. And that's their hope really is that they reach, they can reach um, people wherever you are and whatever you're doing in the veterinary field and um, offer you free support and, and resources. So, yeah, a great chat. And yet, Jez, you know, um, uh, you weren't able to join this one. You had lots going on yourself um, with, with uh, you know. Yeah, well, funnily enough, I had to go off and get married. Yeah, a little thing there. Well, congratulations, by the way. Um, Thank you. Uh, and I was there too. It was, it was a beautiful day and lovely occasion. So um, we'll forgive you. We'll forgive you this time, mate. But I will, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw over to, to talking to Darlene. And of course, I will chat to you again very soon. In our next yarn, which is with someone very, very special, um, yeah. a pioneer and, and living legend um, of the veterinary industry. Yep. Yep. Looking forward to that one. And uh, we'll chat soon, mate. And uh, stay listening. It's not the end. It's just the beginning of my chat with Darlene Boss. I'm going to be listening in now as well. Darlene is uh, joining us from San Francisco, which is... A long way from Melbourne, or I think I should say Melbourne. I got to put the R in because I've have been to the states a couple of times and have told people I'm from Melbourne, and they have no idea where it is. But uh, Darlene, welcome uh, to Flynn's Talk, all the way from SFO. Thank you. Yes, happy to be here. And you're of course executive director of Not One More Vet which we refer to as NOMVI. Um, and so if we say NOMVI throughout the show, it's because it's just a really neat way that you've contracted your full name and um, even the fact that it's a really neat hashtag as well. And um, you can certainly find NOMVI online and, and do all those sorts of things post this interview. But I suppose uh, I know quite a bit about the NOMVI story and, and, and why it started and even had the pleasure of meeting Nicole MacArthur back in uh, 2019. But Darlene, from your perspective, I'd love you to just share the snapshot story of where Nomvi started, the spark, and and where it is now. Yeah, um, it's it's a great story in a lot of ways. It's a sad story in some ways, um, as everything is with this topic, right? So in 2014, there was a, a very popular veterinarian named Dr. Sophia Yin, and Dr. Yin was in behavior. She did a lot of things with positive training, things that today are much bigger in the world. Um, I happen to have a service dog who's positively trained, so could go on about that forever. But Dr. Sophia Yin was, you know, a trailblazer in this area, and she was an incredibly bubbly person outwardly, extremely happy. Like everyone that met her just was delighted by her, and she was well known in the veterinary world. And she died by suicide. And when that occurred, there were a lot of conversations in the community. And all of a sudden, some studies started to pop up about how prevalent this is in, um, in the community. So in the United States, the numbers are two to three times that of the general public. And these things started to come out. And Dr. MacArthur, who's a Bay Area veterinarian, uh, Bay Area, for those of you that don't know, kind of refers to everything around the San Francisco area in California. Um, and she reached out to other veterinarian friends, people she'd gone to school with, colleagues, 
via a private Facebook page uh, or group rather and said, hey, you know, is everybody okay? How are we doing? Let's talk about this because, you know, she's married to a veterinarian. She is the, the daughter of a veterinarian. She is a veterinarian. She had no idea that there were such high mental health rates and suicide rates within the industry. So she reached out to other people and they began this conversation and that's how it all began. And um, in 2017, the, the, the community was quite large. Uh, by that point, it was over 20,000 people who were participating. They were expanding out to reach all veterinary professionals, not just veterinarians or what we call in the US DVMs, but you know, vet techs, support staff, the people at the front desk, like everyone, because they're all affected. In fact, studies since have shown that vet techs actually have in the United States have even higher suicide rate in some cases than veterinarians. So um, they determined that there were some people who had trouble focusing on their own mental health because they were worried about bills. Um, maybe it was the money they needed to pay for mental health, or perhaps it was um, you know, a, it, which is a big problem in the United States, um, or they needed to um, get a bill off of their desk so that they could focus on themselves. So they formed a 501c3 nonprofit. I'm not sure what the equivalent is in Australia, but I'm sure you have one. And they started to collect money and give out money to individuals in need. So that is a program. We call it our support grants program. It still exists today. It's significantly larger than it was when we started it. Um, we are giving away about a quarter million dollars a year now. Wow. Um, Incredible. To individuals in need through that program. Yeah. So that's how we became a 501c3 nonprofit. And we just grew from there. So today we are significantly larger. And I'll get into that a little bit when I talk about my own journey. But we have a number of different programs, including peer support, uh, different resources in addition to support grants and a number of educational initiatives that we're doing. That's how it all started. So so this evolution of effectively what was kind of a closed group for people who kind of knew what was going on and had shared struggles or had the opportunity to come together, right? And um, just sort of realize we're not alone. And this statement of not one more vet, not one more vet, it won't happen again. We can't see this keep happening was really sort of like a, an uprising. But it, at first, it was almost somewhat in an echo chamber, but it's evolved outside of that. And then, so, so bring us in on how you've come into this. And I know that your pathway to now is non-veterinary and has been very much in the community mental health and, 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 and rehabilitation spaces. Is that is that right? Yep, yeah. So <clears throat> I was actually working for a mental health nonprofit in the Bay Area. Um, and when this opportunity came up. So what happened is that the founding board of directors, which, which included um, Dr. MacArthur and some other folks that helped her to grow and expand the organization, they made a strategic plan uh, just before COVID in um, the fall of, of 2019. And part of that strategic plan was to get an executive director to really run their nonprofit. So we have a group of amazing veterinary professionals who are working their butts off <laughs> making this organization happen. And they really needed a nonprofit professional and they recognized that. And so um, I, I jumped at the chance for several reasons. One, it's uh, something that I'm very passionate about, mental health as well as suicide prevention. Um, I'm a survivor of suicide myself. Additionally, I have a close friend 
uh, from the age of 12 that is a veterinarian and has struggled with some of the same issues that others have. So this was just something that lit me on fire, right? And I applied for the position. I was lucky enough that they chose me. Um, it really started out as just me part-time trying to see where we could go. My background is in nonprofit management. So I've done this position and other organizations. I've, I've done a number of organizations. So I have been, since I graduated from um, graduate school, I've been in the nonprofit world, which is now 22 years. Um, so it's sort of what I do. And um, that's why they asked me to come on board. So I kind of mixed these passions, right? This passion to make not-for-profits or nonprofits or NGOs or MPOs, whatever you want to call them, um, thrive and flourish in our communities and my passion for mental health and, and suicide prevention. And so I was lucky enough to get the position. So that was two years ago, um, last month. And now two years later, uh, the organization is 10 times the size that it was in terms of money coming in, money going out, programs that we're doing. Um, and I have six staff people. So it's kind of insane, our growth. Um, part of that was just to fulfill the need. Uh, the need was already there. It was already huge. There were already people needing us. And then COVID hit and created even more significant need for our services. And I mean, our job is to take care of veterinary professionals and to help them through multifaceted and holistic ways. So we're coming at this issue from multiple angles. And we have we now have eight robust programs um, that we operate that help people in different ways. So when someone comes to us at nomb.org, they should be able to find what they need. Um, so there's so many different ways that people need support and we're trying to fulfill all of those. So it's, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. An incredible amount of work in, in really not a long time, but as you say, it kind of, it had, it was well overdue. It needed to happen. And in many ways, it sounds like just the energy and the, and the wave of uh, momentum and passion behind getting it moving, which, which we, unfortunately, again, as we said before, sparks from the ultimate loss. Um, but you know where you've come to just it very much feels like you, you you've you filled the space that that needed it and it and it certainly feels like that here in Australia as well and it's why we're doing what we're doing um and there's and there's other organizations emerging as well doing doing similar stuff that need for there is certainly a lot of community mental health and suicide prevention support in Australia we've got amazing organizations doing that but that need for tailored support for a group specific group of people is, is still where there's a, a major opportunity um, here as well. So I'm just, um, and, and I know you'll be uh, chomp, chomp, champing at the bit to, to chat about those programs and we'll do that. I just am curious, having come from non-vet myself and, and, and um, you mentioned that your pathway to, to non-V wasn't through veterinary, it's through the not-for-profit not sector, but you're a pet owner, right? How did, what, what did you make of all this when you were like, that's happening in the veterinary field? Yeah, I think my journey was, I wasn't quite as startled as some pet owners are because of this lifelong friendship with a veterinarian. So I actually had heard of Nambi and other, there's other support groups out there on Facebook as well. And I'd actually had discussions with her about them. So yes, I have a pet, I actually have a service dog. Um, and so I went through the training process, the service dog, and I as a result, you know, I speak to pet owners all the time um, because that's my circle. And um, because I was 
training a service. Well, I was in a training, a service dog training program with a trainer and, and other owners. Right. And so I met all of these other people and have had these conversations. And I know that a lot of other people had no clue because their only veterinarian that they know is the one they go to. And if that's the case, they're not going to tell you what's going on. But I think that for most people, they are shocked. I get this all the time. They have no idea. And a lot of people think that, you know, well, they get to play with puppies and kitties all day. And they don't really think about what the daily life of a vet is really like. And when you start to explain that, when you start to get them to really think about the rooms that they're going to and how not every room has a brand new baby puppy in it and how not every room has someone happy to see them, um, it, it really starts to change the dynamic of how they think about and view the veterinary world. Yeah, and we're seeing that evolve here. Um, COVID has certainly uh, accelerated the awareness in many ways. Um, it's it's shown people that, I mean, the, the ability for veterinary staff, um, not just the vets, as you say, it's it's everyone in a, in a clinic or practice or hospital, um, their ability to adapt and, and, and be agile. Like we had we had roadside consults and all sorts of things going on here in Australia, and I'm sure it was similar there, but um, it was in many ways that awareness and, and the groundswell has increased, but sadly in other ways, there's been even more negativity. Like I think in Australia, we've seen um, uh, clinics copying abuse online and, and, and potentially um, non-factual or, or lacking the full truth media reports and the like. And I know uh, recently in America, I'm familiar with the main veterinary medical center story um and, and what and what transpired there which was just really devastating to see that people can be so nasty um without kind of the full picture and i know that um our role here on this podcast isn't to to make an editorial of it and it's been discussed a lot and this story unfortunately did get a lot of media exposure for the wrong reasons um but i know that i know that you and and, and nomvia are quite close to this um and 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 we'll allow people to go and read that story and get all of the facts themselves but but in a nutshell it was a pet owner who just simply couldn't afford some care um it was a really expensive procedure with it with a german shepherd puppy called jacks and um it, it resulted in, a, in an animal surrender um and so i just kind of want to focus more though on the impact that that's had on the veterinary community in the u.s darlene from your perspective and and uh it sadly an incident like that sometimes needs to happen there needs to be an eruption for people to gain the awareness out the other side i just wish it that that the harm wasn't done to people in the process yeah a quick side note about language um so you called it roadside and we call it curbside yeah because we even had um footpath consults but but you would be you would be you'd be a sidewalk oh footpath yeah a footpath we don't have we don't have sidewalks in australia it's i love language it's so great um yeah, so Maine. So this, I would definitely encourage people to, if, if they're curious about it, uh, to read about it, but read everything. Um, read it all. Uh, don't jump to anything until you've read everything. Um, and also, I would encourage people not to um, jump, jump in angrily either. So if you're mad after you read something, please take a moment to calm down um, before you jump in. And that's something that is going to help everybody all the way around. Um, so there's, a, yeah, the veterinary clinic. Um, uh, here's the thing. 
there are human beings involved in this story on all sides, right? So in addition to the owner and the reporter, you know, the people in the clinic are human beings from the vet to the vet techs to everybody involved in that clinic. Um, what is un unfortunate um, is a couple of things. One, it went viral online. And so something very negative turned even more negative with each share online and each negative comment online. And that then led to very real safety issues. So there were threats made to people's lives and to their safety. And so it escalated so quickly from, I'm an anonymous person online and I can say whatever I want to people are being harmed, they're being threatened. And of course, it's hurtful to read something bad online, but it's downright terrifying to have your life threatened. Um, and so, things ramped up very quickly and got very serious very fast. And so I always encourage everybody who says anything negative or angry online to think about that. Think quickly about if I send this, is a person going to be harmed emotionally and then physically? And so it's really important that we think about those things, but it brought to the forefront an issue that we have been dealing with throughout COVID um, which is cyberbullying. So we've seen a lot of cyberbullying. There's a number of incidents in the United States. There was one um, right in the middle of COVID where um, during curbside where a veterinary professional was struck. Um, it was caught on video over a guinea pig, was, was physically struck. Um, and so there's been a lot, a lot going on. Um, so what we do at Navi, we have we have kind of a multifaceted um, view of this. The first is we need to take care of those veterinary professionals. So that's our first goal is to get them what they need to make sure that they are safe, to make sure that they are cared for. Um, and uh, that's very important. So anytime that someone is experiencing cyberbullying and it's, it, it has an emotional effect, you need to recognize it, get over the stigma, don't suck it up, go get help. We have a program um, that I'll talk called Lifeboat. Go to Lifeboat, talk to us, let us help you. Um, do whatever you need to do because the first thing you need to do is take care of yourself. We know that up to 40% of veterinary professionals experience cyberbullying cyber and many of them consider quitting over it. Um, so it is, it is a rampant issue in this industry. The second piece is that we are trying to um, reach out to people and, and like get everybody calmed down. So we're, you know, we're not necessarily pet parent facing, um, we're, you know, our goal has always been to help people in the profession, but we recently set up a pet parent page so that we could let people know what's going on. Like it's, it doesn't, it doesn't help to be insular and to keep this to ourselves. And so we set this up. We know that there are some clinics that actually require it as part of their client intake is you have to go to this page and read it. Um, and it has a, a number of things on it, like myths about the veterinary industry. And the financial myth is a big one that always shows up in these cyberbullying you know, cyberbullying um, issues. You know, the idea that someone went to school for eight years and paid, at least in the United States, and I'm sure it's expensive in Australia as well, paid as much as a medical doctor, a human medical doctor does, to go into an industry where you're going to get paid for the same X-ray machine, the same MRI, the same medicine, the same everything. But no one's going to pay that. No one's going to pay what it costs to give an MRI to your dog, what it costs to give an MRI to a human. And yet 
it still costs you that much. So the margin of, of any kind of, you know, breaking even and paying off your student loans is tiny. Um, the debt to income ratio is very high. And so people, if they're going into it to be rich, they did it wrong. <sighs> they didn't do it right. Um, and so the, I, that's an issue. There's also a respect issue. Um, why is it that we respect a medical doctor for humans more than we respect a doctor who's gone through the same amount of schooling, but deals with eight different species, nine different species. And, oh, and is everything from the dentist to the heart surgeon. So true. One person. Um, so we, I mean, I think we really need to change our thinking about this and the way that people view veterans. Well, they just deal with animals. They just deal with animals. They deal with your life, your pet, your everything. Um, and so I think that that's, that's an issue, at least in the United States. And I'm, I feel that it's probably pretty universal. And so people don't think twice about going, well, I'm this person is just in it for the money. I'm going to tell everybody on Facebook and don't think about the consequences of that at, or, or how they're viewing that person. I mean, someone didn't go into veterinary medicine that doesn't deeply care about animals. Again, if they did, they, they did it wrong. Everything that you've, everything you've, encapsulated there is is similar to what we're we're talking about here in australia and, and, and other parts of the world we've had the opportunity to speak with um some amazing vets over actually in norway as well we've got a uk connection um having flynn having spent some time over there locoming as a vet so we are hearing the same things and we're asking the same thing of people which um i think at the end of the main Veterinary Medical Center's statement, they just ask for people to be kind, um, which is sort of how I finish a lot of the things when I have a chat in the media space or have done some done some write-ups for online or even our podcast series and, and episodes like this. That kind of is just treat people as human. Or how about this? Treat them the way you'd treat your dog, even better. We've just chatted about when it can get really shitty. Um, uh, and this must be a time where you go, yes. We've got stuff in place here to help this. And you touched on the lifeboat support, which I'm keen. It, let's because that's that's a digital resource, and we're talking about the cyberbullying topic. Whoever would have thought working in veterinary, you would you would have cyberbullying as a risk. But we're all at risk of it now with just hello phones in pockets, you know. So we're all connected. Um, tell me about the lifeboat resource and, and platform and, and how that works, and how has that how have you seen that helping people? We started as as we discussed as a Facebook page, right? Um, and it was, it's a nice place for people to connect and to talk to each other and to kind of get support, but it's not anonymous. Um, it's, it's not a safe place to dig into really deep things. Um, and we were having really deep things happen on Facebook. And so we wanted to make a safe anonymous place for evidence-based peer support and, um, what we did was we worked with the University of Tennessee and Auburn University. The University of Tennessee has a veterinary social work program. And then the um, Auburn University has uh, an amazing suicidologist there who just focuses on suicide prevention. So this interdisciplinary group came together to focus on how to get um, veterinary professionals the specific peer support that they needed. So this is not to replace your counselor and your psychologist, which everybody should go to. <laughs> um, if you're comfortable, this is not to replace your therapist. This is very specific. I need to talk to other people that have my job. 
right? This is, and that's really the basis of peer support is talking to someone who truly understands you. Um, so we created this platform called Lifeboat. It's, it's digital. And one person will sign up. They're anonymous. You pick an anonymous handle. We literally have no way of knowing who you are. Um, and signs up and says, I, let's say, for example, they say, I'm a vet tech. That's what I do. So they will then be matched with three people who are vet techs or somewhere in that space, right? Um, and those people are trained peers. So they've gone through a, a, a training program, about 40 hour training program on how to support someone. In addition, they have access to a social worker. So as they're interacting with the peer, they can also interact with a social worker and say, this person said this and I don't know how to handle it. And you have a professional social worker on the back end helping them. So it is peer support 100%, but it is peer support that's backed up by a healthcare, a mental health care professional. So um, this took us a long time to develop. Uh, it was about two, three years in development and it's launched and it's up and running. And it's very exciting. It's not something we've done a whole lot of bragging about because we don't want to get more peers than we have volunteers for. Um, but people can sign up. You can go on our website. There's that you can get onto Lifeboat. It's for everyone everywhere. At this time, we only have English speakers is my only caveat. Um, I wish I could say we had other languages, but at this time it's only in English. Um, but it's not just for people in the United States or Canada, it's for everyone everywhere um, that can communicate in English, yeah. Um, so that's one way in which we're tackling the issue of needing that individualized and anonymous peer support. Because you, you can't go into a Facebook group and necessarily talk about your day safely, right? If you've had a really intense day. As, as, as good as it is to um, talk with someone else who kind of, who gets what's going on, uh, who's sharing the struggle that you're sharing, that's a really powerful thing to know you're not alone if in a struggle or an experience but it's not always completely helpful and constructive to just go around in a maelstrom of yeah i know that's crap oh, yeah how crap is it yeah it's really crap oh well, this other crap thing happened to me crap 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 on top it's not constructive so it's kind of what what you've created here is that that next shoot off i think it was described as a warm line as opposed to a hotline support? I mean, the, the idea is that we are helping people get, so if you think of, if you think of a cliff, right? When you call a hotline, you're standing on the cliff and you need someone to, to walk you back. Um, but this is more like, I've been thinking about walking toward the cliff and I just need somebody to give me goals to step backward. And so it's really about setting goals. It's, it's very much a positive bent because you're absolutely right about social media where you can just pile crap up. Um, this, is, this is very different from that. This is, let's talk about how we get you to a better place and together we're gonna work on this. Um, and so it's walking backward and getting further away from the cliff. And then hopefully you turn all the way around. You're not even looking at the cliff. And then you say, hey, I'm good. I'm going to see you guys later, right? And that's the goal. That's what we want. And if you need to come back, you come back, right? Um, but that's where we want people to be, I think, ultimately with Lifeboat. And some of our other programs are, are sort of based on making sure that you're in a, you're in a better place to begin with. Um, so, and I apologize if I jumped the gun because I know you're probably going to ask me about Clear Blueprint, but... Fire away. 
Okay, cool. An another program that we are launching right now, we are doing, um, we just did our beta or a pilot um, program on this. And we wanted to make sure that where you go to work is actually healthy. So that's because that can be part of the problem in veterinary wellness, right? If you don't have a place to decompress, if you don't have a way to deal with what's happening, if you have an unhealthy environment, if you have um, managers who allow your clients to scream and yell at you, um, it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a healthy place to be. So we know that part of the issue is making these workplace wellness spaces. So we created a program. Again, this is two, three years in the making. Um, we had a, an interdisciplinary team. Uh, everybody from we had, you know, people who are practice managers and owners. We had um, people who are working on the ground in vet clinics. We also had like lawyers and mediators and psychologists, and all these people were super interested in this. And we created a program where um, a clinic signs up and they first have everyone in the clinic take a survey, a simple survey, it's 10 questions. And based on those questions, uh, we can say, okay, you've got a lot of work to do. <laughs> and these are the areas that you need this work to be done. And then we can focus on the specific things that they need to do because not everybody's issues are the same. So this is everything from compensation to getting PTO and lunchtime to making sure that you have an emotional balance to making sure that you don't have clicks and peers and that you have a positive team environment, making sure that people have a way to express themselves or decompress. Like it's very holistic and multifaceted. And it allows a clinic to completely individualize the program for them. So they'll go through this program and at the end of it, um, hopefully they pass everything because at the end you have to take a bunch of tests. And when you are in that good place, when you've provided these things that you need, then you can become certified for up to five years um, before you have to do the program again. And that is a signal, a big bat light, right? That says to everybody, not one more vet who specializes in this says that we're at a healthy place to work. And in this environment where there's a lot of competition for people to come work, especially in veterinary spaces, um, we think that's gonna be really helpful. We think that that's gonna have people know where they can go and feel safe. Um, we have triggers set in there if someone disagrees. So we have basically sort of a, uh, what do you call that? A whistleblower kind of situation where someone can say, hey, this is a certified place and this is what's going You're on. Like, living the values. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we've really thought through this a lot ad nauseum. And we hope to have an amazing program that will really, you know, transform the way that wellness is thought of in the clinic. Um, or it doesn't have to be a clinic. It could be in a relief that situation. It could be in, you know, let's not forget large animal. They're not always in a traditional setting. So we want to make sure that it fits everybody. Yeah, it's incredible. So that's the clear blueprint program that I'm super excited about too. <laughs> so good. And CLEAR as well. It's it's an acronym. It's, it stands for? Compassion, Listening, Energy, Action, and Resources. Love that. And, and this is great because we yeah, yeah. You, we've had conversations through this podcast around, but how do we actually make the industry more sustainable? How do we make it better for the people coming into it? How do we stop people leaving it? So I think that this is an amazing project. So well done um, for getting this up and going. What What have you found the response has been like from 
take up like you, you're in you're in kind of testing and trialing so that that's to be acknowledged as well but are people now just like shut up and let us be involved oh yeah yeah it's kind of incredible so we haven't actually like launched it yet and we're getting all these inquiries like okay i'm ready like i want or you know i want all of our clinics and i want my clinic and we've had a, just an incredible response to it it's which tells you how needed it is um and our pilot or our beta testing um uh, groups. I'm actually, I haven't put together the the public facing report on it yet, but we're going to, and I can tell you it went great. So we did seven clinics um, of a variety of sizes. Um, I think the smallest was six people and the largest was 75. So we did, you know, diverse group and, oh man, it was, it just went so well <laughs> and it was um, so well received. And we just, the, the changes that we're seeing in some of these clinics has been so heartening. Like this is what we want. And the pilot program was the, the make or break. Like, is this really going to work or not? And the answer is it's going to work. And then the other part, you're expanding, I believe your ambassador reach. Is it, is it right for me to refer to them as ambassadors? And you've got um, chapters. Yeah. Yeah. So we had this idea, actually, this idea came out pre COVID that we would, um, train people locally to then sort of be ambassadors or have have chapters that local groups where we can provide peer support in person and you can get a hug and you can, <laughs> you can hold events and you can do education and you do all these things. But then of course COVID hit and it kind of put that um, uh, on the sideline, but we're now kind of back into this idea. So we're, we're rolling it out slowly and we're starting with a few um, chapters, I think we have four in the US, but our intention is absolutely to go global. So part of our strategic plan is to have chapters internationally um, at the end of three years. So we are definitely planning on that. We're pretty excited. Um, but it's the idea is just to, to provide that in, I mean, you when you work and live in a certain place, your peers know things that peers in other places wouldn't know, right? So a San Francisco or a Bay Area vet is gonna have different experiences um, than a vet, you know, in maybe in that a vet in Melbourne or maybe that a vet in, you know, rural areas. They're they're not all the same and they're not all doing the same things. But if they get together and they have the same kinds of um, positive interactions that we're hoping to nurture and foster, then we can have that on the local level. And so that's the idea behind the ambassadors is to take this message of wellness and get it into local communities and take this you know, evidence-based peer support and make sure that people are using it in positive ways to help each other on a local scale. Yeah, I love that. We still, we still need that interpersonal connection, don't we? That face-to-face. -face. I think we learned that a lot over the last two years. <laughs> yes, how, how sweet it is just to, to sit down and talk it out over a cup of coffee or, or tea. We're, we're big on tea here in Australia. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, we definitely do coffee. I know some people like tea, but I'm... Now, the other one, that's this is this is pretty fun. Um, and we've got our walk. So we, we've set up our walks around Australia and we're, we're moving to this year, uh, two new major cities in Australia, Brisbane and Sydney, having done Melbourne and Canberra. Yay! And I've heard of, and I've heard of all of them. 
I want you to know, not all not all Americans know nothing about Australia. So they're all east they're all <laughs> east coast cities, and Melbourne's the furthest south, so that's where I am, and and we're going as far up as Brisbane, which is um, a little bit more sort of tropical climate, which is great for those the geographists amongst us. Um, <laughs> but you've got the Nomvi race around the world, or it's a race walk, yeah. cycle horseback, or so all sorts of stuff. And last year, nearly a quarter of a million dollars raised. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, when I came on, that was way more than our entire budget. So, um, it, so it's, it's been a great, it's, it's really helped us with our growth to have this program. And it started with a 5k in New Jersey, um, by our vice president of the board. Her name is Caitlin Furlong. She works in equine. I know we've been talking a lot about puppies and kitties, but veterinarians, as you guys know, do everything. So she works in uh, horse vets. And um, she started this 5K locally in their neck of the woods in New Jersey, and um, the proceeds went to NAMI. So this was in, uh, I guess, the summer, fall of 2019. And then she she said, you know, wouldn't it be great if we did something national and we got people walking, like very similar to what you do, right? Like walking all over. And then COVID happens. So she, She's like, oh, now what do I do? So she found a way to do it online. So um, this is now going to be our third year. And what we do is um, we have an online platform. And throughout the month of September, which um, in the United States is Suicide Prevention Month, so September 1st to September 30th, we have people log their miles. And you can do it you know, on your phone or with your bid or whatever. And um, you can be on a team, you can be on any team you want. So you can have the team that's your vet clinic. You can have the team that's you and your friends. Um, I made a team of people training their dogs to be service dogs when my dog was still in training. And now I'm going to have a team of graduates of that program and their dogs. And you can walk, you can run, you can bicycle, you can horseback ride. Um, so it's kind of do your thing. And um, we are, our goal is to get all the way around the world, which is, I'm going to forget how many kilometers it is. It's on the website. Um, <laughs> I know how many, I know how many miles it is, but that's useless. <laughs> um, 10 times. That's our goal this year. Cause we got around the world six times last year. So this time we're going for 10 and we have a little map that's on the website. Um, the race website that starts and ends in San Francisco. Uh, sorry. I don't know why it just does. Um, <laughs> that is technically where we're headquartered. So, and that is where Nicole is from. So it starts and ends there and we're going all the way around the world. And, um, yeah. And then people raise money. It's peer to peer fundraising and all that money goes to Nambi for our programs. So we're, we're using it for everything that we're doing. Yeah. It's, it's fun and it's collaborative and it's a little bit competitive. Um, because we do have like a leaderboard, like who's gone the most in each of the categories, biking, horseback riding, you know, running and, and walking, um, which teams have done the most. So it's a little competitive and we're really trying to expand our reach um, internationally. So we've always had some Australian competitors from the beginning, but hopefully this year we'll have even more. Well, we'll help you drum that up for sure um, and get the word out here mm -hmm. over this side. But 143,000 miles last year, um, in 2021 covered. So you were six times around the world. So it's 143 divide six. My maths isn't great, but it's probably about 20, 23,000 miles around the world. 
and that's to the power of 1.6 if you times it that's your case so anyone got a calculator um but it's it's a it's a bloody long way <laughs> we have it on the new site it's going to be in kilometers this year so um, i promise to everyone the whole thing is in kilometers i just don't have it memorized yet um we decided we wanted to be inclusive and it was frankly dumb to use miles Nah, but like colloquially even you say oh that's miles away or you know i've been miles and miles right we we say that even here and it's not miles haven't even been a thing in my lifetime so yeah but nobody really knows what a mile is right (laughs) yeah how many how many yards are in a mile and all that stuff there's there's obviously just so much energy around what you're doing and and there's so much tangible activity now um in terms of your programs and races around the world and this and this support and congratulations for what essentially was a tragic loss and then a logo and a facebook page but now is resonating around the world because we've we've picked it up here in australia we're hearing it we're seeing what you're doing people have said to me has flynn's walk teed up with nomvi yet what's going on like have you chatted to them? You should do a podcast. So thank you for being open to this and just and just sharing um, what's going on in your space because although we're geographically separated, we're, we're also connected digitally and that's a great thing and, and, and just appreciate the chat and um, everything that you're doing. So thanks for, thanks for your time. I can't tell you how happy I am to hear that people are saying that. I love it. I'm so happy. Um, I want, you know, I want this movement and all of the people that are a part of it and all the organizations uh, like yours and like mine to work together uh, to basically no longer be needed. Like that's the goal. So we all work together and we all stand together hand in hand. And then we can all be like, well, I guess we got to disband because this problem is totally solved. Like that's the dream. Right. And it's, all of us. And I, I mean, we're so happy to have everyone in this space. And um, I'm just, I think it's great with what you're doing. And um, I kind of wish that I could come to a walk. <laughs> maybe, maybe someday I'll take that really long plane flight and we'll do it. <laughs> can make it happen. Thanks for listening. And if you've enjoyed the show, please share it amongst your network. Your word of mouth is the best advertisement we can ask for. You can also catch up with all of our past episodes wherever you get your favorite podcasts. A reminder as well that if you or anyone you know is needing additional support, there's always help available. Lifeline is there 24 hours, 7 days a week on 13 11 14 or via text on 0477 13 11 14. We've also shared some handy links and resources in the show notes, including the Suicide Callback Service uh, and the Beyond Blue website. And there's so many other amazing resources and support streams out there. And in an emergency, remember to always contact Triple Zero in Australia. We'll be back with another awesome guest uh, very soon, Dr. Nigel Clayton, who is a trailblazer and a veterinary pioneer who played a role in to making so many amazing changes to veterinary care in Australia in particular how after hours care uh, is delivered these days Um, he was a part of that movement many many decades ago now Um, and at 90 years old he still plays golf we look forward to sharing that one with you and thanks again for listening